Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. Technology is an incredibly powerful force that shapes virtually every aspect of our lives, from transportation, to healthcare, to agriculture, to communication. In a website by Accenture, all about technology trends in 2021, they identify five major technological trends that span across a variety of global industries. Architecture, and therefore their technological and business strategies must be seamlessly integrated with one another. Number two, mirrored world. With more of the physical world represented in the digital space, this means that companies can now reimagine how they operate, collaborate, and innovate. Number three, I technologist. The democratization of technology means that it's possible for every employee within a company to drive technology-driven solutions. Number four, anywhere, everywhere. The global pandemic has shifted to a workforce of individuals who can work from anywhere, demanding that leaders create bring your own environment, BYOE, strategies that will re redefine where work is done. And number five, from me to we. This means that more seamless sharing of data, greater resiliency and adaptability are possible when multi-party systems work together. Digital publishing trends fit right into these categories, including the incorporation of artificial intelligence and the remote nature of work for individuals on both sides of the publishing equation. This is the Digital Republish Project. Let's hear from four more creative minds who will help us better understand what's near, new, and next in digital publishing. First, Tristan will explain whether or not the PDF has a prominent place in digital publishing's future. Next, Maya discusses virtual education now and what it means for the future of education as a whole. Matthew walks us through what NFTs are, as well as why NFTs are all over the news right now. And finally, Jack will stretch our minds into imagining the future of digital publishing through the lens of artificial intelligence. All right, Tristan, take it away. Hi, my name is Tristan Pitkin, an undergraduate student at Ryerson University currently studying in the Graphic Communications Management Program. The Fast and the Future, Innovations of the Present-Day PDF The beloved PDF has gone through its fair share of innovation since 1992. Starting in 1991 as the Camelot Project, the PDF has drastically come a long way over the years. 
it has become a standard in the modern digital publishing world as it allows users to utilize different PDF types depending on what is needed for the job, contain various types of information, capture documents from any application, send it anywhere electronically, and be able to print documents on any machine, ultimately making it accessible on any platform. The PDF is a staple for the future of accessibility and universal access, business professionals, high-resolution printing, and much more. The PDF has consistently evolved to meet the growing demands of the industry, but what could be next? As the world of innovation is never-ending, we may ask, what is in store for the PDF? What might the future of digital publishing look like? Will it last, or will something take its place? Issues concerning the PDF Some argue that the PDF is no longer sufficient in the constantly changing and growing technological world. For instance, in an article on why people should stop using the PDF for business content, Don Reiners argues that it's high time to switch to a more powerful format that takes modern requirements like measurability and responsiveness into consideration. Reiners argues that the PDF is not mobile-friendly, causing users to have to zoom in and pan around the documents, which reduces readability. PDFs also require multiple steps to access, and they lack the ability to collect data and track reader engagement. He states that businesses should replace the PDF with other alternatives that are tailored to the individual needs of your business. Others have similar arguments as they wonder if the internet has left PDFs behind. The Comeback Despite these comments, Adobe has spent the last couple of years attempting to reinvent the PDF to combat these growing concerns. In David Pierce's article on how Adobe managed to reinvent the PDF, he states that Adobe's reinvention process involved deciding what a PDF is good for and what it's not. To target growing concerns, Adobe had to look at its competitors and how the PDF could work best within the digital market. The dream is to make it as compatible and user-friendly amongst new technologies as possible. In January of 2021, ISO, the International Organization for Standardization, announced that the standard of the PDF has been revised. This means that the core standard of the PDF was updated to align with evolved industry needs and requirements since 2017. In the updated document, it specifies a digital form for representing electronic documents, enabling users to exchange and view electronic documents independent of the environment in which they were created, viewed, or printed. Ultimately, Adobe has worked hard to make the PDF work on all devices and screen sizes and handle the changing needs of the industry. Although one of the main issues is the inconvenience of viewing a PDF on a mobile device, Adobe announced in September 2020 that a new feature would debut on mobile platforms. This is known as one of the biggest changes to the PDF in a generation. This exciting new advancement is known as the AI-powered liquid mode, built into Adobe Acrobat that is designed to make navigating and reading PDF documents easier than ever before, and on smaller screens. This new feature resizes and reformats PDFs to better fit a user's screen, creating a much more swift way of viewing documents on a smartphone or tablet. It is said to create an experience similar to viewing on a web browser. Ashley Still, SVP and General Manager of Digital Media at Adobe, announced that with the innovation of Liquid Mode, pinching and zooming is no longer necessary as words are now resizable and reflowable, images are tappable and expandable, and tables are responsive. With the unveiling of the multi-year vision for the PDF, it is not a secret that it has come a long way since 1992, and it looks like the future of the PDF is looking bright. The success and stability of the PDF is still yet to be discovered, but Adobe is determined in ensuring that the PDF won't be being replaced anytime soon.
The AI-powered liquid mode is a promising and exciting new feature that takes into account mobile's steady takeover of the way in which we interact with digitally published documents. Whether bigger is better or smaller mobile is better, really it's up to the individual user and their preferences and availability of devices. Either way, it seems like the PDF has got you covered. Thank you, Tristan. While the PDF plays a role in virtually every industry, they can especially be helpful in virtual education. Hello, my name is Maya Lego, and I am a first-year graphic communications management student at Ryerson University. My creative portfolio showcases work done in Adobe Creative Cloud as well as marketing projects. I am here today to read you my article, The Future of Digital Publishing and Virtual Education. Since March 2020, digital publishing has begun to shine brighter than ever with the implementation of virtual education. While current technology has made the shift from in-person to online learning much easier, online learning is still extremely difficult. With non-ideal working environments and distractions, the current virtual learning experience cannot provide the same level of immersive education as in-person learning. As digital publishing evolves and new digital technologies are introduced, virtual learning could become a more accessible, immersive, and realistic experience. For post-secondary students, textbooks are a major cost that can be decreased up to 60% with increased implementation of digital textbooks or ebooks, according to McNeil in Print Textbooks versus eTextbooks. Ebooks are also more accessible to international students. During the pandemic, students are studying from all over the world. In the article, Ebooks and the Distance Learner by Claire Grace and Jill Needham, they explain how students who learn from a distance have to rely on the virtual library for learning materials. In the future, jobs in schools may continue to be offered online, and ebooks are the key to helping people stay well read. Digital publishing offers universal accessibility. The PDF UA standard requires that meaningful content is tagged, individual tags are compiled and organized in a logically ordered tag tree, structured types are standard, a manual check of the document is required, the document must be given in metadata, and all non-text elements have alt text. As explained in the article, what is the PDF UA standard? In the 2020 article, Publishing Accessible Proceedings, the DSAI 2016 Case Study, by Maria Ribera, Ricardo Pazabon, and Sergio Sayago, within PDFUA, Adobe Reader offers accessibility functions such as the ability to resize text, change colors, automatically play pages, and read content aloud with screen reader applications. With more opportunities for the implementation of digital publishing due to virtual education, PDF Universal Accessibility will ensure that students with every range of ability can benefit from virtual learning. While trying to adjust to this confusing time, children have had to start learning by sitting and staring at a screen all day. Carrie Goldman explains in Distance Learning Not Working, here are strategies to try, that this can be very difficult for any child, especially those with attention deficit slash hyperactivity disorder, which affects as many as 16 million children in the United States. Digital publishing technologies will make a more interactive learning experience to help supplement hands-on experiences. In Interactive Storytelling for Children, a survey, 
Garzato explains that interactive digital storytelling, IDS, is an innovative way for children to learn online. IDS is created using generative computer graphics, human-computer interaction, and artificial intelligence, AI. IDS focuses on using responsive systems so children can choose the course of the storyline and become co-authors of the story, developing creativity and problem-solving skills. While digital storytelling is not a new idea, the implementation of online schooling is a new situation that IDS can improve. In The Art of Publishing, a few months into her new role, the boss of Octopus Publishing shares what she has learned about illustrated publishing while in lockdown. Anna Bond shares that with online school lasting much longer than anyone anticipated, publishers are looking for ways to increase sales, and implementing new opportunities into their digital formats is one way for them to thrive. IDS technology, especially AI, can be very complicated for authors to implement. In the 2021 article, Blockly XR, an interactive extended reality toolkit for digital storytelling, by Kwangi Jung, Vin Ti, Nguyen, and Jaehoon Lee, one new option to help is an interactive extended reality toolkit called Blockly XR. Blockly XR is being researched to be able to provide people with a visual programming environment that will assist in creating an extended reality application for use in IDS. The same issues of limited interactivity within online school exist for post-secondary students. Research is underway on the possibility of adding interactive elements to open educational resources, OER, as cited in Performance, Behavior, and Perceptions of an Open Educational Resource-Derived Interactive Educational Resource by Online and Campus University Students, Association for Learning Technology Journal by Ward and Lynchfield. OER are educational resources available in the public domain under an open license. Research is being done by taking OER and integrating them with an interactive online platform where videos, questions, and animations are embedded within text, increasing student engagement. Technology like this will be extremely beneficial when it comes to be widely integrated into the curriculum of virtual programs. Now, the question still remains. What will happen to the art of print publishing? The print industry is not going anywhere. Physical publishing and digital publishing offer separate advantages. While digital publishing is more accessible, physical prints feel more exclusive. Ebooks are speedy, but paper books have a specific aura, as discussed in Book Publishings in the Digital Age by Chris Laverne. Everybody has their learning preferences. Digital publishing may be a better alternative for many, while others enjoy flipping through pages and handwriting notes. The future of digital publishing is bright, but it will not be blocking the light of print anytime soon. Accessible. Immersive. Realistic. It is my personal belief, and the belief of many others, that virtual education will not go away anytime soon. Eight years ago, I began my graduate degree at the University of Alberta. The only way that I was able to study in a different province while working full-time was through virtual education. The program is a hybrid model, each year's cohort meeting in person and taking two classes for three weeks during the month of May. During the summer, fall, and winter semesters, I studied part-time exclusively in a virtual format. And then the whole thing repeated again in the month of May the next year with classes for summer, 
fall, and winter happening from a distance. While virtual classes looked a lot different eight years ago than they probably would today, when video conferencing software was nowhere near as advanced as it is today and collaboration and sharing tools that we rely on in 2021 just weren't a possibility. But it still worked. I feel like I had a really strong educational experience within my master's degree studying from a distance. With a dramatic push to online learning beginning in 2020, this has only fueled and sped up the advancement of technologies, educational strategies, and willingness to consider the virtual classroom a widely accepted educational space. I believe that the future of virtual education looks something like my master's degree, a hybrid solution that encompasses the best of both worlds, a balance of human connection and flexibility. I think it's safe to say that those two elements are really the bedrock of all successful educational strategies. I digress. <laughs> Thank you, Maya. In a world where any digital file can technically be minted and then sold to the highest bidder, how do NFTs fit into the digital publishing landscape? My name is Matthew Cicero. I'm a first year student at the School of Graphic Communications Management at Ryerson University in Toronto. I currently work as a graphic designer while also maintaining a personal business, offering services in a variety of creative outlets, including photography and design. The NFT wave, how the crypto and digital publishing worlds are colliding. February 19th, 2021, the creator of the viral Nyan Cat video sells his NFT for 569,000 USD. 20 days later, the NFT for an art piece by the digital artist known as Beeple sells for a whopping 69 million USD. Take a second to listen to that number again. 69,346,250 US dollars. And the best part? The art piece, which was auctioned off at Christie's Auction House in the UK, came with no physical form, just numbers and code to prove authenticity. If you follow any kind of technology trends, your newsfeed these past couple of months most likely contains something to do with NFTs as they explode in popularity. But what exactly is this new uprising of crypto-based certification and what does it imply for the future of digital publishing? Let's start with this. What exactly is an NFT? According to the Yahoo Finance, NFT stands for non-fungible token. It's an upcoming form of digital authenticity that is built on a technology of cryptocurrency. Put simply, the token holds a one-to-one -one exchange value, hence the non-fungible part, with its quote-unquote art piece, and it acts as a certification of ownership. In his podcast about current and future tech, Marquez Brownlee explains that this certification works much like a deed would for real estate, and it utilizes the blockchain technology of cryptocurrency to permanently record previous ownership and transactions. The next part is where it gets a little bit confusing. The art piece in question only has one requirement, some form of digital presence. This means that anything digital can be minted, which is known as the process of registering for an NFT, and sold at any value at the discretion of the owner. Whether it is a video or audio clip, a 3D model simulation, or even a tweet, anything with a digital file format can be registered for an NFT. Most infamously, the NBA recently started minting and selling NFTs of moments from their games, also known as the official video clips from the Top Shot series. Can you imagine owning the moment LeBron James won his fourth championship ring? So, how does this affect digital publishing? The simple answer would be, we have no idea. You see, NFTs are a bit awkward as they are meant to represent authentic ownership, but whether the token carries over copyright of the piece is entirely up to the seller. According to Yahoo Finance, 
Many NFTs are instead registered to create artificial scarcity of pieces without carrying any proper legal rights, which has caused skeptics to label NFTs as an quote-unquote elitist method of driving up a product's value. This isn't entirely inaccurate, as there really is nothing stopping someone from searching for the JPEG file of people's art, saving it to their hard drive, using it as their wallpaper, and even sharing it with friends. But in the world of freelance digital art, NFTs are practically a godsend for independent artists. Self-publishers now have access to a huge market and extra revenue stream opportunities when they mint their own works. In her podcast on the history of digital publishing, Diana Varma explains how the printing and publishing industries were shaken up in the late 2000s as blogs and ePubs burst onto the scene, which subsequently created a whole new market of digital and independent publishing. But a big problem with this avenue is that financially supporting yourself as an independent publisher is nearly impossible due to the volatility of the market. However, NFTs may help to patch many of the financial potholes in a self-publishing career as they provide tangible, albeit unstable, income sources. So as mysterious and unclear that these tokens may seem in the moment, they may be providing us with a glimpse into the future of sustainable independent digital publishing. You might be thinking, that's amazing. So, we should invest everything in NFTs ASAP to help these independent publishers? Well, not quite. As amazing as it sounds right now, the reality is that the future of NFTs is just as questionable as any other bleeding edge technology. Much like a Supreme branded t-shirt or the latest pair of Air Jordan sneakers, NFTs rely heavily on the hype and expectations of its users. The tech's only lifeline right now is the mass media and attention it gathers, and ultimately, if NFTs had not been on the headlines of global news outlets the last couple of months, people's peace would likely have sold for much less than 69 million. To make matters worse, NFTs remain completely unregulated. According to Mitchell Clark from The Verge, buying, selling, trading, and minting NFTs is done through dozens of different platforms without any standards for currency exchange or payment methods. So, unless NFTs can balance out legal details, retain even a fraction of the popularity they hold right now, and create an internationally standardized structure, much like crypto did, there's a high chance it could fade out as fast as it appeared. Another major problem NFTs face is the horrendous impact they have on the environment. As mentioned earlier, NFTs are built on blockchain technology, and the current most popular blockchain is a cryptocurrency called Ethereum. Blockchains work similarly to banks in that they record every minor microtransaction and process related to the currency, or in this case, the token, but rather than storing this data privately like a bank would, blockchains make all history publicly available via the internet. The problem, however, is that recording 24-7 takes power. Like, a lot of power. In his video explaining NFTs, journalist Johnny Harris explains how the average single Ethereum blockchain will consume 33 terawatts of electricity, roughly the same as the country of Serbia. That is a lot of energy, most of which is sourced from fossil fuels and unsustainable sources putting more carbon into our atmosphere. So, unless a more sustainable process can be created for NFTs, consumers of this new tech will continue to thrive and grow as our planet hurtles towards higher and more dangerous global warming levels. Nevertheless, the impact that NFTs bring to the current digital publishing landscape sheds a lot of light on the future of independent publishers, and we can't wait to see what comes next. So much promise. So many unknowns. Such a huge impact on the environment. It will be really interesting to follow this trend and see how it shapes the virtual creation marketplace. Thank you, Matthew, for shedding light on the mysterious world of NFTs. While the cryptocurrency of digital publishing is here now, what might the distant, or not so distant, future of digital publishing look like when it comes to artificial intelligence? How will AI affect any and all stakeholders in the publishing industry, for better or for worse? 
Hello, my name is Jack Benjamin. I'm a first year student at Ryerson University in Toronto, Canada, and I'm studying graphic communications management. I enjoy spending my time honing my graphic design skills, learning about global cultures, spending time outdoors, and experiencing new things. With advances in the technology of artificial programs, AI has begun to mark its territory in the digital publishing landscape, with potentially huge impacts on the future of the industry. Some of the larger players in the digital publishing game are already using the power of AI in the process of content development, which saves them big time in the long run. The current hype around AI and its numerous applications makes it difficult for present-day publishers to identify the ways in which AI can be used, from creating more cost-effective practices to implementation in content reuse and publishing. Although there is an uncertainty around the use of AI, it is bound to become a mainstay in the digital publishing houses of the future. Artificial intelligence is already making its way to the editorial desks of digital publishers. Implementation of AI has remained largely in the technology industry for projects like self-driving cars, but recently AI's machine and deep learning have become more appreciated by communications and media industries as well. Research by E. Selby and Associates in 2019 suggests that the implements for artificial intelligence range from content creation and digital marketing to user experience and search engine optimization. Usually, editors in this industry have many different responsibilities aside from their focus on researching and writing pieces. Further research done by E. Selby and Associates hypothesize that using AI to undertake these more tedious and mundane tasks is a trend that will most likely emerge as time moves on for the digital publishing industry. With the introduction of AI editors having already been seen in places like Reuters and Bloomberg, Bloomberg's AI named Cyborg is responsible for an approximate one-third of all content published by Bloomberg News. R.L. Sons has reported in 2019 that this AI can access and examine financial reports as soon as they're available and create pieces that highlight the most pertinent information from those reports. What's more is that the AI can do all of this efficiently and accurately, more so than any of its human counterparts. It is important to note, however, that this does not spell the end of the human reporting era. Continued investigation by R. Alsanz has concluded that the use of artificial intelligence is intended to alleviate larger workloads from their human counterparts, thus allowing them to focus more on the practical work and time-consuming pieces. Artificial intelligence is to be viewed as an addition to their toolbox and not a hindrance to their work. Furthermore, artificial intelligence has been used and plans to be used for content discovery and creation. Using similar programs, AI can be used to develop publishers, analyze trending topics, optimum timing for certain stories, and the relevance of different topics in each news cycle. Artificial intelligence possesses many different methods of curating past and present data to predict future behavior of users. And lastly, artificial intelligence for advertising and revenue growth. Using the data collected by the AI, publishers can optimize user spending by presenting the content they value most. For instance, the New York Times implemented machine learning to analyze what subscribers view most and the habits of users who are at potential risk of canceling their subscriptions. Also initiated by the New York Times was their ReaderScope program. This AI-driven tool helped the publishers visualize which topics interested the audience and where the users were located to create stronger branded ad campaigns. The data allowed for advertisers and marketers to better understand their audience and what mattered most to them. 
In conclusion, although there are seedlings of AI use in the digital publishing sector already, soon application of artificial intelligence will be a mainstay in digital publishing, with an emphasis on assistance to both users and publishers to cultivate timely and valuable content, reduce strain on editorial teams, and minimize costs for creating and advertising content to the publisher's audience. Thank you so much. It's really incredible to think about all of the applications of AI possible within publishing organizations, big and small. From marketing initiatives through to optimizing editorial content, including topics, formats, and timing. And while I want to believe that artificial intelligence is simply another tool in the toolkit of publishing houses, the relatively unknown and untapped power of AI gives reason for us as knowledge workers, even in the world of creativity, reason to be shaking in our boots, maybe just a little. Thank you, Jack. And thank you to all of our contributors to this episode, Tristan and Maya and Matthew and Jack for sharing your ideas. There are so many exciting possibilities surrounding what we can create, share and build with the world through connecting our digitally published works with one another. That's it. We've done it. Three new episodes containing 12 new ideas about digital publishing spawned from the original mini-series. From past to present, 50 years in the making, to what's possible through leveraging technology, to what's near, new, and next in digital publishing, we've come a long way. Only time will tell where and how we'll see the digital publishing landscape shift and evolve. Stay tuned.